All right, who had a good time at the Winter Conference? Come on. Yeah. It was so good. It was amazing. Like, so Emily and I prayed on the way down to Lincoln for each one of you that went, and we had specific prayer requests for you, you know, or we think about you, we love you, and we have things that we want God to do in your life, okay? So that's a good thing that your pastor knows you by name and knows what you uh, just need in your life. So anyways, we're praying for those things to happen, and it was miraculous as God would do things that or things we never talked to you about, things we didn't say we were praying for, that God would do those in your life. So uh, this, this weekend truly encouraged me to believe in the power of prayer. You know, I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to believe in the power of prayer, but sometimes you pray and things aren't answered. But this weekend, prayers were answered in a huge way. And I'll say this, this winter conference was probably, actually I'll say yes it was, the best conference we've had since I've been the director. It was truly an amazing weekend. So... Uh, yeah, so anyways, these conferences and retreats are always so pivotal in our journeys. And for me, uh, the first fall retreat I went to was very pivotal for my journey. If you've been around, you've heard this story before, but the first, the first semester I was a student here at UNI, the pastor drugged me to fall retreat, and God did some incredible things in my life on that weekend. Uh, growing up, I had dreams of being a ton of different careers. I didn't know what God wanted me to do exactly, but there's times I thought that I was supposed to be a rock star, all right? Every kid thinks that, I think, uh, or maybe it's just me, but there's times I thought I was supposed to be a rock star. There's times I thought I was supposed to take over my dad's construction business, and I'm not the type to work outside. It's just not my personality. I like to read books. I don't build stuff, so that was completely off, but there's times I thought I was supposed to be a teacher. There's times I thought I was supposed to, or to be a politician, and when I came here to you and I, I planned on being a politician. Now, that was back in 2011. Politics weren't as bad as they are now. They were bad still, but uh, I'm thankful I didn't end up doing that. Praise the Lord. All right, so anyways, I was planning on doing that, and I went to the fall retreat, and growing up, I always had some sense in the back of my head that I was called to vocational ministry. Like, from the time I was three years old, I would go up to the stage at church and want to be held by the pastor during the sermon. I always wanted to be on stage at church. I loved church growing up. So there's always this sense that, you know, maybe I was called to ministry, but I always kind of ignored that call. Like, I always thought a few things. One, I thought that I couldn't public speak. I was deathly afraid of public speaking growing up. It was really bad. Like, I would get up there, and I would look down at my thing, and I would just, like, be shaking like this and read it as fast as I could because I hated public speaking. So that was one reason why I didn't think I could be in full-time ministry. A second reason was because I didn't think I knew the Bible well enough. Like, I thought if I was going to pursue ministry, I had to have already read the Bible, like, 50 times. Uh, so I thought that. And then the third thing was, let me see what I said. The third thing was, now I'm having a, a, just a little brain fart here. Um, but the third thing was I had some sin in my life, uh, some addictions, and or specifically to be vulnerable. We're very vulnerable here at Chi Alpha, but I was addicted to pornography, and I looked at it every single day at the time that I went to fall retreat. So these three things were going on in my life. And I went to fall retreat, and on the Friday night of fall retreat, God wrecked me in a big way. And I gave that pornography addiction to him, and it's been broken off my life ever since. God did a, just a miracle that weekend. On Saturday, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, I encourage you to come to the night of wonder. We're going to talk about it a bit. And I believe that that experience is for each person, and it gives you power over sin, it gives you power to share your faith, and I experienced that, and that transformed me, and all of a sudden, I stopped thinking about my shortcomings, and I started thinking about God and what he could do through me, and I just knew from that point on, I've known, hey, I may be scared to public speak. I still get nervous. I thought, I may not have my life together. Like, we all have sin. Like, I have sin, okay? 
not perfect. You know, those in ministry are not perfect. And I thought, hey, I'll learn the Bible as I read it every single day. And God just continued to encourage me to take steps, and I pursued full-time ministry, and now I'm here today, and I've been able to see God do incredible things because of the truth, because of the conviction that I have that it's not about my talents, it's not about my gift, it's not about my power, but it's about God's power. God wants to take those of you who, or so if there's something you fear the most in your life, if there's something that scares you, some type of job, God might want you to do that job. That's the reality, because God loves to take people who are weak. He loves to take those who are fools to the world and shame the strong with them by showing his power through them. So some of you are called to full-time ministry. That's just the reality. In this in a room this size, there's got to be someone that's called the full-time ministry. And you may think, hey, that's not for me. You know, I'm really scared to public speak. God probably wants to make you a preacher. God probably wants you to public speak because God loves taking the weak and showing his power through them. So tonight, we're going to talk about God's calling. And I'm not trying to get all of you to transfer to Bible college or something. I want you to stay here. You can go into ministry through Chi Alpha, right? But and I'm not saying you're all called to ministry. Maybe one or two or three of you are called to ministry. But that's just my story. You know, maybe for you, the call that God has for you right now is to begin to reach out to your friends, okay? Begin to share God's love with them. Because there's friends all around you every single day that you see that are far from God, and you don't say a word. And God wants to call you out of your fear and out of your pride tonight and send you on mission to your friends. For some of you, God's calling you to change your major. You know, maybe you're an accounting uh, major, and that's just not what God wants you to, or to do. Maybe he wants you to be a teacher, and God might call you out of that. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at this idea of calling, this idea of specific callings and then general callings. So let me define those because those phrases are going to be thrown around. So there's specific callings that each, each one of us has on our lives. For me, a specific calling is to be the director of Kyle at the University of Northern Iowa for this season. Okay, that's a specific calling for me, no one else has that calling in here right now. A general calling would be we're all called to love God and to love people. We're all called to know Jesus and to tell people about Jesus. We're all called to that. So we're going to kind of go back and forth between those two things tonight. So the reality is, like me when I was a freshman, there's many of us in this room tonight dealing with these questions of calling. Some of you are exploring the Christian faith. You've been kind of dabbling a little bit. You've been trying to see, is this for me? And you're dealing with the question of, am I supposed to go all in on this Christian faith? Others of you are considering your specific callings in life, like where you're going to live after you graduate and what job you're going to have. And you're considering those questions. And then still others are considering your calling on this campus. Maybe you're a freshman and you've been pretty timid about your faith so far. And you're considering, is God calling me? to step out of my comfort zone and begin to reach out to my friends. Or, or maybe you're considering the question, am I called to be a small group leader in Chi Alpha? Am I called to try out for the worship team? There's different questions of calling that are swirling around in this room. And what I pray tonight is that God would give us clarity. That God would give us clarity. And in this season, I can say this boldly, that God has called all of us to reach this campus. So we're really going to talk about that tonight too. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to continue our series on wonder, okay? So the whole idea of this series is God wants us to have a heart of wonder before him. Some of you are like varsity Christians, all right? You've been in church since you were born. You were born in a pew. Some of you, you've been around the faith for a long time. Some of you were conceived in a pew, let's be honest. No, I'm kidding. Hopefully not, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm kidding. Just those PKs out there, pastor's kids. All right. So anyways, um, sorry. This is a college ministry, so I say what I want. All right. So, uh, but some of you have been around for maybe a little bit too long because these basic truths in the Christian faith, like Jesus came and died for our sins, that God can do anything, that God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things, that Jesus is coming back to raise the dead from the grave, those truths just are kind of like, oh yeah, it's old news to me. So the heart of this series is that God will call you back, or perhaps for the first time, to this spot where you wonder at God, you marvel at him and say, God, I cannot believe that you can do anything. God, I cannot believe that you can bring things into existence that do not exist. God, I cannot believe that you would call me with all my weaknesses, with all my struggles, to do something great in your kingdom. God, I cannot believe that a screw-up like me could be given grace, that you could forgive me. That's what Tony's going to talk about next week, and you better come for that, because when that man preaches, everyone cries, all right? That's just the way it is. He's an amazing speaker. I'm not kidding you. It'll probably be the best sermon of the year, so please come next week. And then the last week, we're going to talk about this idea that Jesus is coming back, and he's going to raise the dead and judge the living and the dead. So these truths should cause you to wonder. So tonight, what we're going to do, like I said, is talk about how God is a calling for each one of us, and how that calling, the idea that God gives a rip about us, and God wants to use us, that should cause us to, to marvel at him. Do you realize, have you been in astronomy class, like there's a lot of planets out there, there's a lot of galaxies, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but God looks at you, he knows every single thought you've ever thought, he knows every weakness you have, he knows every fear you have, and he still wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. That should cause us to marvel. That should cause us to marvel. So tonight we're going to see that in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 12 specifically. And Genesis is split up into two parts, okay? There's Genesis 1 through 11, which is the creation of the world, the fall of man, the story of Cain and Abel. They get in a fight. It's bloody. I'm not going to give any more details. Genesis 6 through 9 is the story of Noah and the flood. And then Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel, these different stories about the beginning of the world. But then Genesis 12, it's like it's a new book almost. There's a new story that they're telling, and they fast forward way into the future, and there's the story of this man whose name is Abram and his wife Sarai. And God calls these ordinary people to begin his rescue operation. Okay, because, or because in Genesis chapter 3, man fell, man sinned, man blew it before God. And God knew that he needed to send Jesus to come and save the world, to die for our sins. So if we believe in him, then we can be saved. And God wanted to do it through a people, through the Israelite people, through the Jews. And the father of the Jewish people is Abram and Sarai, okay? But the problem is, these folks are old. They're 75 years old. And God tells them that they're going to have a kid. They don't have kids yet. And God calls them and says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you children and he doesn't say this, but his plan is to bring Jesus through his, their family line. And they have to trust God in his calling, even though it seems incredibly unlikely. So let's read just the first four, or four verses of this story and then get some truth from it tonight. So verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with them. 
That's his uh, nephew. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from, Har- from Haran. So this, these four verses show us this big main idea, if you're taking notes. God calls ordinary people to save the world. God's method of saving the world is to use ordinary people like you and me to go and tell people about Jesus. He wants to use you to reach your friends. God wants to use the 75 of us in this room to reach 11,925 students outside these walls. That's a lot of students that aren't in this room. Okay? And some of them are connected to other ministries, which is great, praise God. But there's still 11,000 students who need reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's calling you to go from your land, to go from your home, to go from Norin, and to head on out down the hallway and tell people about Jesus. And I pray that tonight will be the night that each of us say, enough is enough. I'm going to stop hearing the call of God and then disobeying it. But instead, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go. And I'm going to trust him. All right, so let's pray over that. God, I pray that you would show us your will for this group for this campus. God, you have a, spe- or a very specific calling for this group on this campus. God, I pray that you would show us our collective calling as a group on this campus. And God, I also pray that you would show us our specific callings because the reality is, is everyone in this room is not going to stay at you and I forever as much as I would uh, just greatly appreciate that. But God, we have specific callings in life, specific things to do, places to go after this. So God, I pray that you would maybe give us a glimpse of the future and that each of us would obey you and follow what you have for us. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into it. Genesis 12, 1. We're going to have three points tonight. They're going to come right from the verses. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. First point tonight is this. God calls ordinary people. The first thing we need to get about God's calling is it's not reserved for the exceptional. God's calling is not reserved for those who have it all figured out. God is not looking to and fro the earth. You know, the all-powerful God, and he's looking for talented people. Like, I need to find the best, the gifted, the most talented, because I can't do it on my own. No, instead, God is looking throughout the earth for ordinary people like you and I who will submit their lives to his will and allow him to do the work through them. Our specific callings and our collective general calling to save the world is less about us It's less about our abilities and our past, and it's more about God and his ability to use even the weakest, most ordinary people from small-town Iowa to do extraordinary things. Some of you grew up in a town of a 1,000 people. You think, God would never use me. I believe that God wants to use you to change the world. I believe God wants to use you to have an impact on this campus despite your weaknesses. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards, and, and not many were powerful, and not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Paul says, consider your calling. And by calling, he's referring to our calling to know Jesus, which is a miracle that God would call us to know Jesus, and then also to help other people know Jesus. He says, consider this calling. He says, you weren't wise, you weren't powerful. It had nothing to do with you. But God chose you. 
He chose an ordinary, weak person with a past and struggles and inabilities. He chose you to be saved and to help others to be saved so that nobody can boast in God's presence. God specializes in using those who have little to nothing to bring to the table. God loves, he loves using the imperfect, the unable, and the lowly because when he uses them, it brings tremendous glory to him because it's not about that person. It's not about us. It's about him and his power and how he can work through the weakest people. So get this tonight. God wants to use you despite you. God wants to use you despite you. So when you consider God's calling, you cannot think anything about yourself. You think it's God calling me to do it, and if yes, then you do it. Do not think about yourself. The first thing we do when God tells us to do something, we're like, well, God, I'm nervous around new people. Or, oh, God, I could never do that. I'm not good with numbers. Or, oh, God, I cannot do this. We always think about our abilities. When God instead wants us to look at him and say, God, if you're calling me to it, if it's really you calling me to it, then this is on you. This isn't on me. It's on you. So I'm going to just obey you, and you got to come through. And it's amazing as you do that and watch God do the impossible in your life. It's amazing when you see God use your simple, yes, God, I'll do what you told me to do, and then watch him blow your mind. It's the best thing in the world. So Abram's story is a great example of this. He does some really, really dumb things in his life. If you continue reading in Genesis 13 through Genesis 22-ish, he does some really dumb things. He lies at times. Like he's pretty deceitful at times. He doubts God a lot. He fights with his family. Like him and Lot get in a fight. It sounds great here. They go together. No, they get in a fight just like a chapter later, and they separate. And this is the worst thing. So God tells him that he's going to have a baby, and he's going to have a great nation. And God doesn't do it quick enough in his eyes. So he says, hey, I'm going to sleep with my servant and have a baby with her. That's just a no-no. We know that's bad. All right. So Abram does some pretty terrible things. But God says that my call is irrevocable. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to use you despite you. And God still uses Abram to bring Jesus to earth through his children and his children's children, his children's children, children, and so on. Jesus comes from his line. So tonight you need to know that God can use you. God can bring heaven to earth through you despite your inabilities and despite your struggles. When God calls you, he doesn't, first, or he doesn't want you to first measure your abilities and talents and say, all right, God, I think I can handle this. Instead, he wants you to look at him and his calling. He wants, to say, or he wants you to say, on my own, I'm not able, but my God is strong. My God's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. My God is able to do far more than I could ever ask or imagine and to walk forward with confidence and say, God can do it. And he also, so it's not just about your abilities, your talents. God doesn't want you to look at your past sins or your current struggles and say, hey, I'm too simple. God cannot use me. God doesn't want you to assume that he doesn't want you, that he doesn't want to use you just because you have struggles. God knows that we're not perfect. He sees all your thoughts. He sees all my thoughts. I'm not perfect. I don't want my thoughts displayed on this screen. But he still says, I'm going to use you despite your struggles. So the thing we need to do is not say, Oh, God, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Instead, we need to look at Jesus and say he was perfect. Jesus lived a perfect life, and then he paid my penalty on the cross. He died for my sins, and now, or then Jesus was raised from the dead, defeating death, sin, hell, and the grave. And now, if I put my faith in Jesus, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my struggles. He doesn't see my flaws, but he sees his own son. 
Jesus Christ. And God's pretty pleased with his son, Jesus, right? So when he looks at you, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If he sees Jesus, then he can use you despite your struggles. So know that tonight. So this leads me to my next point. So God wants to use us despite our weaknesses, and he wants to use us to reach those who are far from God. So let's kind of see this idea in verse 2 and 3. And I will make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great. This is the most important line, I think, in this whole little quote here. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll, and him who dishonors you, I'll curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the second point, if you're taking notes, God's call is not about you. It's not about you. It's all about blessing other people. So when we consider our dreams for our lives and our callings, we often think, you know, what's going to make me the most happy? What's going to give me the butterflies in the tummy? Just give me a really great American dream life. That's honestly what we're considering most of the time. And God wants you to have joy. Like God gives you desires and and talents and abilities, and he's probably going to put you in a place where you're going to have joy. But that cannot be the thing that determines what we do. It has to be what God calls us to do, okay? So because our calling is not about us being happy, although you'll probably be happy if you obey God's call because he knows what's best for you, but instead it's about blessing other people. So if you notice here, God says, yes, I've called you, Abram, to great things. Yes, I'm going to bless you. Yes, I'm going to make your name great. However, it's not just for you to be blessed. He says, I'll bless you to be a blessing. So the principle we have to get when we think about calling is God's calling for our lives is always about blessing other people. So the specific calling for you with your job, with your location of living, your family, so forth, all those callings that God has for you, they're there so God can strategically position you to bless other people. So if you want to go and live on some island by yourself because you're an introvert like me and just you know, soak up the rays because, hey, sunshine's amazing, that's probably not from God because your calling is for other people. God wants to bless you so that he can bless other people through you. God has called some of you to be teachers in this room. Actually, many of you, I think like 70% of you, it seems like, many of you are called to be teachers. God's not called you to be a teacher just because it makes you happy. He's not called you to be a teacher just because it's what you wanted to do since you were a little girl. God's called you to be a teacher so that you can bless those students, like spiritually and also just general blessing to the students be a good teacher, but, but spiritually as well. I challenge you, I heard this at the Winter Conference, the, the speaker was talking about this, but I challenge you, for those of you that uh, weren't there, if you're a teacher, every morning you need to get there before your students and pray for every single seat. It needs to happen because you're there to bless those students. And you're there, even if you can't come out and say anything about Jesus, you're there to lead them closer to Christ. Or maybe you're called in this room to make a lot of money, all right? So I'm a missionary. I don't know if you know that, but I live off of financial donors. Like, that's how we live. That's how we fund this stuff. That's how we bought all this stuff was people giving money. So I hope some of you are called to give money. And hopefully you'll give money to Chi Alpha because we blessed you, right? So, uh, but some of you are called to make a lot of cash, but that's not just so you can have seven cars and a big mansion and have a super attractive spouse who just marries you because you have a lot of money. No, that's not what God has called you to do. Instead, God has given you that money. 
God wants to give you that money so that you can be radically generous. Even if you're rich, God wants you to give until it hurts. God wants you to be radically generous. There are children around the world who do not get a meal every day. There are people around the world who do not have clean drinking water. There are, are women and children every single day who are caught into human sex trafficking. There are missionaries around the world who are laboring in hostile places where you can get killed for your faith. They're laboring with the gospel and trying to bring nations to Christ. There are campus missionaries all across our state, all across the country, who are planting Chi Alphas on the secular campus and living their life by faith so that college students can know Jesus. And for those of you who are going to make a lot of money someday, I challenge you right now to resolve and say, I'm going to give so much money away. I'm going to give to this. I'm going to give to that. I'm going to give to this. And maybe you've got to start small. I encourage you to start giving now. Like if you make 100 bucks a week, give $10 away. Start now. But God blesses us with financial resources to be a blessing to other people, okay? But it's not just physical blessings that God wants us to roll over onto other people. So we get blessed and we roll it over onto other people. That's the way I like to think of it. It's not just physical blessings, but it's also spiritual blessings. So many of you in this room are followers of Jesus Christ. You've experienced, you've tasted God's salvation, and your heart has been transformed by the love of God. God has not called you just to experience that and be like, wow, it's amazing, and then go sit in your dorm every night and read your Bible by yourself and not talk to anybody. Instead, God has called you to roll that blessing over onto other people by telling people about the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And here's the reality. I know that there's conviction in this room right now. And the temptation right now is for you to shirk the conviction. Say, ah, I just don't want to feel that. I don't want to be pushed out of my comfort zone. Please don't do that. Hear the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak now to hearts in this room. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to do that. Because there are too many people on this campus who do not know Jesus Christ. And I would say that this, is, this should be your top priority as a college student here. It should be your top priority behind knowing Jesus, you know, knowing Jesus, but then helping others to know Jesus. It's more important than your degree. It's more important than your job. It's more important than your friends. It is the most important thing, and I will not apologize for that. I'm not going to try to make you feel better. It is the most important thing to tell other people about Jesus. My prayer is that next week it's bring a friend night. And Tony is going to bring the gospel. He's going to bring it. It's going to be a grace-filled message. People are going to hear about Jesus' love. Let's get this room filled up. Let's take these ropes down. I don't want these ropes up for long, okay? Let's take them down next week. Let's fill this place up. Like, you all probably got a couple friends, all right? So if you all brought two friends, do the math. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good group of people in here, all right? Let's do it next week. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about his love. And let's take it a step further. It's not just to go tell people about Jesus, but it's also to encourage each other. So some of you are going through some really tough stuff right now, and you don't, and there's, there's no one else who knows about it. There's some struggles, there's some doubts, there's some anxiety that's going on, and God wants to give others of you a word of encouragement to that person to tell them, hey, God sees what you're going through. You know, you have to listen to him and hear him, but then you have to actually go do it. I encourage you to start blessing each other with, with words of encouragement. It doesn't have to be too spiritual either. Maybe, you know, someone's saying great tonight. Maybe, you know, Dan killed it tonight. Go up to him and say, Dan, that was just a, just a really great song tonight. Thank you for leading us into worship. There should be a place where we're always encouraging and honoring one another. The ministry that happens on Tuesday night should not just be by me and by the worship team, but it should be by everyone in this room ministering to each other. So I encourage you, when you get blessed, when you get called, then roll that blessing over to other people and make sure that your calling is about other people. All right, so the third thing tonight is from Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, 
and Lot went with them. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Third thing, and come on, Holy Spirit, have your way on this one. The third thing, the key to seeing God's call come to pass is surrender. Almost everything about the Christian faith, every breakthrough, everything that God wants to do or to do in your life usually starts with surrender. Like whether it's salvation, when you surrender to Jesus and say, God, I trust you for my salvation. Whether it's water baptism, saying, Jesus, I surrender my pride. I'm going to get baptized. Or God, I'm going to get baptized again because I was baptized once when I was young and I didn't even know what I was doing. God, I'm going to surrender my pride and get baptized again because you call me to do that. Or baptism of the Holy Spirit. It starts with surrender almost every time. What's blocking someone from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is trying to control everything, trying to hold on to it. And it starts with surrender, saying, God, whatever you want to do. Surrender is at the heart of the Christian faith. And when it comes to your calling, it's also at the heart of that. To see our calling come to pass, if, if we want to see God do the impossible through our lives, it's got to start with surrender. So throughout this journey of faith, there's going to be times, there's going to be pivotal moments when you come to crossroads again and again throughout your life. And Jesus is going to ask you, am I worthy? Am I worthy for you to put me before this thing in your life? This thing is stealing your affections. This thing is causing you to fall away from me. Am I worthy to surrender that thing, to give it up, and to follow me? You know, maybe for you, it could be surrendering your major to him. Like, you're not supposed to be in the major that you're in, and you need to surrender and say, God, I'm not just going to do what I wanted to do the whole time growing up. I'm going to instead surrender to you and let you choose my major. Or maybe you're in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. Like maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend does not know Jesus, and if you're a Christian, that's just a no-no. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks during our dating series called Loved. Get excited for that. I'm pumped for that. Like Jason's already got the video done, and I'm telling you, I think it's his best one yet. He's made some good videos, so it's going to be good. But anyways, like maybe God's calling you. I'm not telling you what to do, but maybe God's calling you to break up with someone. Or it could be surrendering your free time to him. Like you're one of those people that like you need eight hours of free time every day. Like Facebook for two hours, Instagram for two and a half hours, video game for three. It's a little alone time sitting there thinking about the world for a couple hours. Like you need so much free time. But Jesus might say, hey, surrender a little bit of that free time. Like some of you have been asked to be on the Connect team and you're like, nah, that's my Instagram time. I got to have my pre-Kyle Instagram time. And you need to surrender that tonight in Jesus' name. Come on. Okay, okay. Surrender your free time. I'm not saying to stretch yourself so much where you're exhausted all the time. There's, a, there's an importance there of margin and having time to be with Jesus. But I'm saying I think we value free time maybe a little bit too much when we don't do the things that God's asking us to do for the sake of the free time. All right? So following Jesus is so much about surrender. And we see this in Abram's story. God calls him to leave everything and to journey to an unknown land. Okay, he's got everything he needs. He's 75 years old. In America, that's like time just to, you know, live in Florida and be on a boat your whole life from there on. But God's calling Abram to take a radical step of faith, to leave everything he's, or to leave everything he's known, and to then go try to have a child at 75 years old. What is wrong with God? All right, his wife is like, What's going on here? I'm 70-something years old. But Abram surrendered to God, and he obeyed him. So I think, according to this story, and these are just my ideas, there's more to it, but surrendering to God and seeing his will come to pass in our life has three main aspects to it. So I want to take you on a quick journey of, you know, you're kind of considering this. There's, like, really three steps to this, I think. So the first thing is this. You have to ask God to lead you. 
So it starts with actually asking him. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time, but you never asked his opinion about anything. That ain't good. That ain't, that's a no-no, all right? Ask Jesus what he thinks before you make decisions. Like if you started dating your girlfriend or boyfriend before asking Jesus, uh-uh, don't do that. You got to start by asking Jesus, hey, what do you think about this? And when we do that, when we ask Jesus to reveal his will, he'll get us where we need to go, and he'll give us joy because we'll be living in the center of God's perfect will for our lives. So Abram didn't look to God and say, hey, God, I want to do this. Make my dreams come true, Jesus. Well, he wasn't talking to Jesus at the time, but God, make my dreams come true, which that's what many of us do. We're like, God, make my dreams come true. This is all about me. Make my dreams come true. But instead, he looks to God and he says, tell me where to go. And then he journeys into this unknown land, and he does what God tells him to do. So that's the second thing. We have to obey what God says. So the temptation is to ask God, say, God, I want to know. You know, we got the altar at Winter Conference. God, I want to know what your plans are for me. But then when he tells us through his word or through a Christian friend or through a sense in your mind, like you, a thought pops in your head, he tells you through that, then you don't actually obey him because it's not what you wanted to hear. God, tell me what I'm supposed to do as long as it's what I want to hear. And a lot of times we don't obey him because, you know, two things. We're either fearful, like we're scared of doing that thing because we're afraid what might happen, or we're too prideful. We don't want to actually submit to God and acknowledge that his way is better than ours. So I think it's just important to say, don't just ask God what to do, but actually do it. Third thing, trust God in the process. So Abram was 75 years old when God told him that he needed to leave his homeland and that he would have children and become a great nation. As modern people who struggle with patience... I mean, I'm the first one. I really struggle with patience. I'm just confessing my sins right here. Like, I don't have a small group like you guys do, okay? Like, you all get to talk about your sins. I'm going to confess right now. I am in, impatient. I struggle, all right? So as people who struggle with that, and we want everything to happen right away, then we would think that, according to our standards, like, Abram's wife, he's going to get pregnant, or she's going to get pregnant in just a couple of weeks after that, because, you know, he just obeyed God, and, and he followed God's will. Like, she's going to get a baby popping out in nine months from that moment, but that's not what we see. Instead, we see, or instead, God doesn't give Abram his son Isaac until 25 years later. What if God told you that he was going to do something and you had to wait 25 years? Are you willing to wait that long for the blessing of God? I hope you'll say yes. I hope you'll say yes. You know, maybe you'll labor on this campus for your friends to know Jesus for four years. You'll give everything you got. You'll invite people to Kai Alpha like crazy. You'll tell them about Jesus. And you won't see the results until 25 years from now. When I've already been like, long gone from Chi Alpha, and there's a new person here, it's, it's a new team, all that stuff, but then the blessing of God begins to be poured out on this campus. Guys, we have to be prepared for that. We have to be prepared that, that obeying God right now might not lead to the results we want right now. But we may be laying the ground and sowing seeds for 25 years from now. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for that calling? And not just here at Chi Alpha, but also in your own life. There's dreams that God has given you but they might not happen for a while. And the reason we don't see our dreams come to pass that God gives us is oftentimes we quit before it's time. So I want to encourage you tonight to hold on and to know that Abram had to wait 25 years. And if he had to wait 25 years for the baby when he was already 75, like, I think we can wait. So I love this story of a farmer named Brad Lewis. So Tony's coming to preach next week. Brad Lewis was Tony's pastor, okay? And Drew Meyer, do you guys know who Drew Meyer is? He came and spoke last year in February. Some of you who were here last year, he was the state Kyle director. That's Tony's brother, okay? Drew started Iowa State University Kyle, and Tony started the University of Iowa Kyle. Two brothers 
came down, went gangbusters, all right, from North Dakota. Brad Lewis was their pastor. And about 30 years ago, God asked Brad if he would devote his life to campus ministry. And Brad said yes. Brad was a farmer, just a simple guy. But God was calling him to love the students of North Dakota State University, including Carson Wentz, you know, 30 years later. And he said yes. And he didn't know what the whole journey would look like. But he surrendered, and he said, God, you're telling me to do this, so I'm going to do this. And for his first 20 years, the Chi Alpha group was, you know, it would fluctuate. Chi Alpha groups fluctuate, but it was typically between 50 or 60 to 100 students, kind of in the range where we're at right now. And, and that was where he was for, for 20 years. And, and that's a nice group, but that's not some grand story of Chi Alpha's success after 20 years. But around 12 years ago, his group just got the right people at the right time. Like, there's times that God brings the right people together to do uh, just some supernatural things. You know, Tony Meyer and Drew Meyer came at that time. Dave Leadall spoke at Fall Retreat in 2016, if you remember him. He came at that time. Kyle Trozen, the Iowa State University Kyle, the director, came at that time. All these people came around the same time. And, and these students began to count the cost for what it would take to see that campus reached. They began to, to pray for a move of God on their campus. They began to go to church early in the morning. They would go to the church in the middle of the week or on the weekends early in the morning, and they would beg God to move on their campus. And they believed that God was calling them. They believed that the calling was not something to just continue to disobey and let the next generation worry about it, but they believed that God was calling them to seize the moment and say, the time is now for this campus to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They began to pray all night long, and then a supernatural move of God began to happen as people were being saved in, in unprecedented, or unprecedented numbers, and people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and revival began to break out on the campus. And that group grew in the matter of two years from 65 to 85 students to 800 students. That's every seat in this auditorium. It grew from this to every seat in this auditorium being in Chi Alpha. And it's because a group of students were willing to surrender to the call of God and say, God, we're going to give you everything we have while we're in college. We're going to give everything we have. We're going to pray until it hurts. We're going to go talk to friends and continue to get rejected. God, we're going to do whatever it takes to see this campus reached. But it did start, though, with Brad Lewis's surrender 30 years ago. It said, God, this may not be a glorifying job doing campus ministry in North Dakota, but God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he continued to obey and trust God throughout the process. So if we want to see God's call for, for our lives to come to pass, we have to surrender, we have to obey, and we have to trust. Every great move of God in a community and every great move of God in our hearts begins with surrender. If we want to see God complete his calling for you personally and then for us collectively, we have to surrender and allow him to take the reins. Every great move of God starts with surrender. And I'm just praying, boldly praying, that that would happen tonight. That each of us would surrender to the call of God and say, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy for me to count the cost and and to take up my cross and to follow you even when things are hard. God, you're worthy of that. And we can do that. If we can surrender, we'll see God do supernatural, amazing, extraordinary things through us, just a bunch of ordinary people. We're going to see God do extraordinary things. So the main idea again tonight is this. God calls ordinary people to save the world. God calls ordinary people to save the the world. We see this truth resound throughout the scriptures. Again and again throughout history, God has been in the business of calling ordinary people like you and I to do extraordinary things. 
He says, don't look at your inabilities. He says, don't look at your sins. Don't look at your past. Do not look at your struggles, but look at me. I am the God who's able. Look at me and trust me and obey what I tell you to do. And if you do that, if you just obey God each and every day, you're going to see him do things that you're like, holy smokes. God, I cannot believe you'd use someone like me to do this. God, I cannot believe that you would use me. We have to be willing to surrender and to continually look to him for your strength because you can't look at yourself because yourself is not going to get you through because you're going to see your weaknesses. You're going to see your flaws. But every day you have to say, God is able. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is able to do impossible things through my life. It's not about me. It's about him. God is calling us into that place. And as you do that, your life is going to be a blessing for other people because live in your life for yourself. You know, live in your life to build up your retirement account and be able to retire in Florida. That is not a good life. But instead, a life that is worth living is one that blesses other people. So let's be a people who bless others. Let's be a people who bless this campus. Let's be people who don't try to run our own lives, but instead we surrender to the holy God and say, God, whatever you want to do, I submit and I surrender to that. So maybe you came to this place tonight and you're hearing God call you to something. His Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. He's speaking to you right now, and he's telling you specific things that you need to change. He's, he's calling you to specific things. He's saying, leave your country and go to the land that I will show you. God is speaking that tonight to you, and I encourage you. I plead with you to surrender, to begin to reach out to your friends, to begin to take your relationship with God seriously, to begin to read your Bible if you're not doing that, to cut off that relationship that's not, our, that's not honoring to God. I encourage you to surrender to him and to trust him. Or maybe you're in this place. You're not even in that zone. You're like, I don't really know about that, like calling to do crazy stuff like that, but, but I'm not a Christian. You know, maybe you came tonight and you're not a Christian you're, or you have been a Christian, but you walked away. Tonight, God may be calling you to the place of salvation. Every salvation, like I said, starts with this moment where God calls you, God chooses you, God calls you, and then you surrender to that, and God changes your heart. So maybe you're here tonight, and you just need salvation. You need to know Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He obeyed the law, the thing that there's no one in this room who can do that, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Then he went to the cross. He died for our sins, paying our penalty, and then he was risen from the grave. And tonight, you want to put your faith in Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. So if you'd stand with me tonight, we're going to pray.